So um, on Wednesday, no, it was Thursday, Ben asked me, um, what text you're using to preach? And I said, I'm not using the Bible. And he said, what? Anyway, <laughs> in the meantime, I do have some scriptures, okay? So settle back. I want to kick it off. I want to kick it off with asking you a question. And, I, and don't be shy holding back, giving some answers, okay? There's, nothing, there's no right or wrong answers. So I want to ask the question. When you got saved, when you became a Christian, what are some of the disciplines that you should implement into your daily life? What are some of the Christian um, disciplines that we live with as Christians? So give me some. Prayer, yep. Sorry? Bible, reading the Bible. Talking to Jesus, yeah. Waiting on God. Fellowship, going to church, yeah. Fasting, yeah. Fasting, yeah. Praying in tongues. Sorry? Loving others, yeah. Solitude, yeah. So these are all the things that you know you should do as a Christian. However, if you feel that you should do this and you have to do this, it's not going to do you any good because it works and it comes from an obligation to religious duties. And that's not going to do you any good. It's not going to please God that much. Okay? It's all the do's in contrast to the don'ts. I think Ben talked about the don'ts a couple of weeks ago. We don't steal, we don't lie, we don't gossip, we don't kill, we don't commit adultery, yada-da-da-da, we don't. But you also don't do, you don't, or you should not pray or read the word or fast or fellowship or love one another because you feel like you have to or you should. So this is the introduction to my word today. Because how do you feel when you fall short of those things if you don't, if you don't pray? Say, for example, you don't pray for a couple of days or you don't read the word for a couple of days. When you go back to be with Jesus, how do you feel? Oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. I haven't prayed for two days. Forgive me, I repent of my prayerlessness. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that God doesn't necessarily require us to do religious duties. He wants us to come to him because we love him. Okay? And it's a relationship. So, and take his love away from us when we don't do these things religiously. He doesn't love us any less. He doesn't love us any less if we're good, bad, or ugly. Okay, he loves us, and we need to live in that love. So today, today I want to actually share on prayer. And hopefully by the end of it, I have demystified some of the things that we've been taught or what we've been indoctrinated with what prayer should be. And so I want to just share a little bit with you from my journey 
and how I've become, how prayer has become a religious duty and how I've become free from that and now prayer is no longer a religious duty, it's a delight and something I absolutely love doing. And can I tell you that I don't pray as such every day? However, I do pray every day. And, I sh and I, I, let you, I let you know how that works. So I got born again at the age of 12. And that was in 1972. I got born again. I gave my heart to God. And immediately, immediately, the fire for prayer, the passion for prayer started burning in my heart. And in year nine of high school, I actually started a prayer group at high school to pray for the teachers and to pray for the school. And there were two of us. Two of us on a weekly basis, we got together and we prayed for our teachers and for our school. When I left the school, I started work and, and so on. And I was very much committed to a team that was doing a lot of evangelistic outreaches and we did a lot of prayer retreats. So I learned about prayer, I learned about fasting, I learned about um, repentance, living a life of repentance and, and change and stuff like that. But by the age of 17, I was burned out on religion because I felt there were too many do's and too many don'ts and I lived with the conflict for, for a couple of years. I lived with this conflict in my spirit because I knew that wasn't, the, that wasn't the relationship that God wanted me to have on that level. And there was this passion and this fire burning inside of me that I wanted to live differently. But the institution of the church and the youth group and my, and my home and everything put these other restrictions and rules and regulations on me and so there was this conflict inside of me and I remember I remember it as clear as yesterday I said to God if that's how you want me to live in order to please you with all the rules all the regulations all the do's all the don'ts I can't do it so I'm just gonna walk away for I'm just gonna walk away and I'm just gonna do it my way for a while and I basically said goodbye to God. And I went into the world and I, I lived wildly for five years. However, God was never far from my mind. I could be as drunk as anything. And someone said something against God or something against the word of God. And I would give it to them. And I would preach. And I would share the gospel. Because God, is, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. Okay? And I'm not, I'm not saying once saved, always saved. Because you can, you can deliberately walk away from God and cut yourself off and renounce, renounce your conversion prayer, actually. And you can, can, you can renounce the way that you want to live for God. That is possible. And it is happening all over the world right now because Christians are getting hurt. And they turn their way on God. And they renounce everything that they used to believe. And so I'm not saying that. But I, I want to say when I did what I did in my journal and said, I'm going to do it my way for a while, God. I 
I think God knew my heart. I think God knew that this is something that I really didn't want to do, but I couldn't see any other way of getting rid of this conflict, that internal conflict and stress that I was living with for, for a long, long time. So anyway, cut a long story short, I came to Australia in 1983. I was here for three months. I recommitted my life to God. I found him by reading, by reading the Bible. I, f I found God. I found, that, I found the truth in the Word, and I recommitted my life to God. And shortly after, a year after, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And again, this passion for prayer arose. And so in our church where, where I plugged in in Townsville, um, the church was very big on mentoring, discipleship. We had all kinds of different um, classes and seminars. So I plugged in to learning all about prayer, what prayer really was. And so in the 80s, we came across... Larry Lee, could you not tarry with me one hour? We came across, I wrote it down, so I thought I might forget. We came across Dr. Yongi Cho, prayer mountain, early morning prayer meetings. And again, this little bit of a conflict started to happen because we were given all these methods and ways to pray and it wasn't really revelation in my heart. So when I did the Larry Lee prayer, couldn't it tell you one hour, and I prayed the Lord's, it's based on the Lord's prayer, you pray through each part of the Lord's prayer. If I was finished in, say, 30 minutes, well, what am I doing with the next 30? I could not tell you one hour. What do I do with the next 30 minutes? And so, again, this, this condemnation, this guilt came. I said, okay, I've got to pray an hour. Okay, and then Yongi Cho, you know, prayer mountain. That's great. And we did, actually, our church actually had a prayer mountain. We had a mountain in, or a hill in Townsville, and we used to go up there once a month and pray, and it was fantastic to pray for the city and the government and everything. And then 4 o'clock morning prayer with, you know, what they do in Seoul in South Korea. I could not get up at 4 o'clock when I was younger. I can do it now, but I couldn't do it when I was 23 years old, get up at 4 o'clock in the morning when I was up till 1 o'clock. You know, so it, it, it didn't quite work. In the 90s, in the 90s, we had the spiritual mapping and the prayer walking. And we had, you know, we used to go, we used to map spiritually what was happening in the area, identified all the strongholds and the demonic strongholds, and then we used to go prayer walking and pulling down the strongholds. And so, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that any of that is wrong. Not at all. It is really, really important. However, it's got to come not because it's something that you have to do or that's what you do because you should. It's got to come out of revelation and how the Holy Spirit leads and guides you in your prayers. Okay. In the 2000s, we had Praying the Bible. Wesley Campbell, Praying the Bible. In the 2000s, we had the, the birthing of the 40-day fasts and the call and the prayer movement all over the world. And that is still going because it's, um, it's, well, it's something I'm passionate about. But it is, see, the 40-day prayer and fasting is something I am very passionate about because it is, it's become a revelation to me. And it is, it, it's something that the Holy Spirit is leading me into every now and then. 
And I know there's a couple of other people here that are on the in, in that same vein, okay? Because it is something that God is God is um, is doing globally. It's right all over the world. And and now these days we have all the declarations and the decreeing and praying not from earth to heaven, but we're praying from heaven to earth. So I'm not saying again. I'm not saying that anything is any of those prayers or anything is wrong. If you do this and this is something the Holy Spirit led you into, fantastic. Okay, it is fantastic. But if you do it because you feel you should or you have to or it is something that you that somebody else told you to do, it's not going to work. Is that okay? Okay. So there are many methods of prayer. There are many different types of prayer. And I could teach for weeks on each of those. But today I just want to I want to just ask one question. Why why do we pray? Why do we pray? And so I come to my first scripture. Because I need to have a scripture, Ben. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 19 says, Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. New King James or ESV says, pray without ceasing. Okay, Passion Translation says, make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. So the first reason why we pray is, it's the will of God. The will of God for us is to pray, to make our life a prayer. And you know what? That looks different for each and every one of us here. Our lives, a prayer to God, looks different for each and every one of us here. There's no one method where we make our life a prayer to God. That we spend, that we get up at four o'clock in the morning and we spend 60 minutes in prayer, or we, you know, go walking the streets, whatever it is, whatever it is, our life a prayer. And I want to share with you a couple of times what happened to me this week. And I just think God is just so awesome. On Monday, Malcolm and I were still in Adelaide. We, we went to a, a wedding celebration there on the weekend. And on Monday, we were, still, we were still in Adelaide and we were flying home in the evening. So we took our car back to the rental place and they had a shuttle bus to take us to the airport. Anyway, I hopped on the bus, buckled myself in, I closed my eyes and the Holy Spirit said, Hi. And I said, hi. And he said, are you okay? And I said, uh, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed going back. He said, it's all right. I got it. And that was my prayer. That was my prayer. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, Tuesday is my day with River. It's Grandma or Oma and River Day. We went to Dreamworld. And I take the praying because he doesn't walk too far 
for a long time. But at this stage, we came back, we're walking along the boardwalk, and he runs ahead of me. And I see his long curls at the back. And the Holy Spirit said, remember what I showed you about him when he was in the womb? And I said, yes, he's a Nazarite. He hasn't had a haircut since he was born. And I'm not saying that he'll never, ever have a haircut because that's up to his parents or whatever, okay? But at that particular moment, the Lord reminded me that he is a Nazarite. He said, he's been set apart for me. And so all I did was, Lord, I bless him. We were in dream world. I was walking behind him. I said, Lord, I bless him. May he never know a day without you. That was my prayer. It doesn't have to be hours locked away for you to pray for something like that. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Our life is a prayer. You know, and sometimes I don't even have to say anything because the Lord knows what's in my heart. Sometimes I just think about someone, you know, and, and all of a sudden I, I, I feel this, Lord, just bless them. And that's all that's necessary at that particular time. So it is God's will that we live a life of prayer. The second thing is that we pray to find the will of God. We pray to find the will of God. And again, I want to read from the Passion Translations from Philippians chapter 4. I love this. And we all know it in the King James or ESV version where it says, don't be anxious for nothing. But listen to this. Ephesians 4, 6. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Christ Jesus. When we pray, we find the will of God, we get answers to whatever we need to know. So it is important that we ask questions. That we ask questions. We don't just go to God with our list we ask him, what, what do you want me to do? Or a better question even is, what are you doing? So that I can, so that I can partner with what you're doing. Okay. So often we want God to come and get beside us and do what we want to do. Well, how about we, do, we partner with God and we do what he wants us to do? God, what are you doing? so that I can join myself with what you're doing. That's good, isn't it? I love that. I love partnering with God and doing what he's doing. That's why I'm here <clears throat> at this church. I'm partnering with God, what he's doing here. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. 
So prayer, we all know, is talking to God. It's communication with the Father. It's communication with Jesus. It's communication with the Holy Spirit. And can I say, we all relate to them in different ways at different times. Sometimes I talk to the Father because I need a dad. Sometimes I talk to the Holy Spirit because I need to know, I need to be empowered by him. Sometimes I talk to Jesus because I just need a friend and a brother to get along get alongside me and help me so it's different so it's talking it's talking to God but it's also listening we have one mouth two ears listening is very very important and I think it was Sean that said we need a solitude you can't listen and hear God when you rush around all day I can't believe how noisy this world is. Have you ever stopped in a shopping center or an airport or somewhere where there is a few people? It is noisy. You know, sometimes I have music on in my car and, you know, I like music. But I feel sometimes the Holy Spirit says, just turn it off and just be still. Just sit in the quiet. Just listen. You know, we, we need to... We, we need to sit and listen and be still. I have quieted my soul. And it's not just even physically being quiet. You've got to shut this down. What's going on between those ears? And can I say this is my biggest challenge? I can, I can slow down physically. I can have a day off physically. I can sit in my lounge for a whole day physically. But I find it very difficult to turn this off. This nearly goes, nearly goes 24-7. Nearly goes 24-7. Because I wake up in the middle of the night, say 1 o'clock, and my brain is going. I wish it wouldn't. But it just does. It just has a mind of its own. Anyway, um, stillness and quietness is really, really important. It doesn't come easy. We've got to practice it. And that's what I'm doing. I'm practicing it. Because our minds, they just go off on all different rabbit trails. I want to read, I want to read one more scripture. Actually, second last one. And this, is, this has become very, very important to me in regards to my prayer life. I'm, and I'm reading the message, if that's okay. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 from the message says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Have a look at that. Okay, what does Jesus say? Come to me. We don't go to the movies. We don't go eating out, filling our tummies at Max Brenner's with chocolate or whatever you do when you want to take a rest. Jesus says, come 
come to me. Watch me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. So if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're burned out on all the good things that you're doing religiously, have a break. Have a Kit Kat. You know, have a real break. Have a real break with Jesus. And you know what? It, he says, learn. He's not expecting us to do it overnight and have it all together and being 100% perfect at whatever it is that he wants us to do. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What's grace? It's his favor. It's his blessing. It's his presence. It's his power. His, his grace, unforced rhythms, they, come, they just come as you learn from him, as you allow him to teach you, as, he, as you allow him to show you, as he, allow, as he allows you to disciple you. Because he is the best discipler in the world. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And again, I want to say it comes to each and every one of us in a different way because we're not robots. We, I have my very own unique, quirky way of talking to Jesus or relating to him or being with him. And so does everybody else here. And there's no size fits all. There's no one way to do it. So I want to let you guys off the hook today that you can be with Jesus whichever way that you want to, whichever way that he leads you to. I understand that there are seasons of intercession and there are seasons of being a watchman and there are seasons of um, petitioning and travailing and all that sort of stuff. But if, it's not, if you're not led into it by the Holy Spirit, it's not going to achieve anything. Okay, it's not going to do anything. You know, Tanya and I were talking last week, you know, unless we have a burden to pray and we think, oh, well, we'll just pray because we feel we have to, it's not going to achieve anything. And the burden is not going to, you know, the, the burden is not going to lift. But if you are led into it by the Holy Spirit, you pray maybe for 10 minutes, 20 minutes or however long, and when you feel that burden lifting, then you know you've done your job in your intercessory prayer. Okay, that's just one example. We all need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, it's not going to be heavy. Jesus never gives us anything heavy to do. You know, many, many years ago, when we first started Set Free in Southport, there was a Christian bookshop in Welsh Street. Before the word bookshop, if you know the word bookshop, there was there was a spirit-filled woman in there by the name of Coralie. She was amazingly prophetic. And I never forget what she shared with me. Because she was, a, she was a prayer warrior. But she said to me, spiritual warfare should never be exhausting. If it wears you out, if it's exhausting, then you've done it in your own strength, not by the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus never gives us anything heavy to do. Heavy or ill-fitting. Even 
the anointing, even the cloak, even the mantle that God gives each and every one of us, it's not heavy. It's not a heavy burden to, to carry. It fits well. It fits your personality. It fits your gifting. It fits your temperament. It fits your experience and your abilities. It fits what Jesus gives you to do. So we need to learn keeping company with him. And then it says, you learn to live freely. Who wants to be free today? We all want to live in freedom. We want to live in peace. We want to live in joy. We don't want to constantly live with this heaviness, with this oppression, with depression, with anxiety, with all kinds of stresses. So the key is, come to Jesus. There's a scripture in John 5. I won't turn to it. In John 5, Jesus actually rebuked the Pharisees. And he says, you search the scriptures for eternal life. But you've overlooked that you need to come to me for eternal life. So we come, we come to Jesus. And when Jesus leads us to the scriptures, then, we'll, then he obviously wants us to show something. He wants, us to, he wants to show us something that he wants us to have revelation on and know. So prayer is not an intellectual exercise. It's not an intellectual exercise. But it's a response. It's a response from our heart to Jesus. Even when we are in great need, okay, we can come to Jesus, not with our list, not whinging and complaining, okay, but we come to Jesus because we need to be with him in whatever situation that we're in. And you know, again, I think it was Sharia or Dave that led us this morning into, you know, let's just acknowledge God for who he is. You know, God wants to be who he needs you to be at any given time. So if you're facing a financial crisis, you ask God, who do you want to be for me in this season, in this time, when I can't pay my bills or I can't afford that or, you know, who do you want to be? And most likely he'll tell you, I'm going to be your provider. I'm going to look after you. I'm your shepherd. Whatever it is that he, what you need him to be, he will be. Okay. We need to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Every day we are to walk with him, work with him, watch him, keep company with him, learning to live freely. And I'm going to finish here. Dave alluded on it this morning right before the service about changes. I can't believe the amount of people that I've talked to and even what we're experiencing at Set Free Care and stuff like that at this time. The amount of changes that are happening at the moment. It's a real season of change in a lot of people's lives. I believe even here, you know, with our five kids being dedicated this morning. The season is changing, you know. It comes with challenges. It comes with opposition. But it is paramount 
that we stay close to Jesus in those times. We've got to stay close to Jesus. We've got to, when he says, come to me, we've got to, we've got to stay there. Now, I've experienced this week a lot of anxiety because of the changes that are happening in our lives and, and, um, and what's happening with, you know, with, our, um, with Malcolm's business and what's happening with Zedvikare. There's a lot of changes happening, but it, you know, the challenges, the challenges are going to come. The opposition will come, and so the, during the worship again, God gave me the word anxiety, and I believe there could be some people here that because of the changes and the seasons that you're facing, there could be some anxiety that you're that you're feeling. So I want to read one last scripture. Because I think that sums it all up of what Jesus wants us to do in this time. Again, we're not on our own. We're not battling in our own strength. We're not facing the issues and the changes and the change in season on our own. We're all in this together. But most of all, we have Jesus. So this is what he says out of Song of Songs. It's one of my favorites. He says, my lover said to me, Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling, my fair one. Come away with me. That's what we need to do. When the season changes, we need to draw even closer to Jesus because he will sustain us in the change. Transition is never easy, but God sustains us in the change. God sustains us in the new season. A new season can be terrifying because there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of things we don't know. You know, like, you know, just imagine you working, getting a new job. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what the people are like. You don't know what the, what actually your duties are, how to do it, you know. And so, when the seasons change, we need even draw closer to Jesus. We need to find that space in Him that um, that will keep us, that will sustain us, that will help us learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that saying, the unforced rhythms of grace. I could say it all day. Because that's how Jesus wants us to live. Is that okay? Okay. Let me pray for you. Now, if you are in a season of change, and I believe this is what God wants to do this morning, if you are in a season of change, or you know change is coming, and you do feel a little bit anxious, and you do feel a little bit overwhelmed, we're family here. And so I would like you to come and we're going to pray. We're going to pray together for, for you to have, um, to be empowered to face the changes, but also to know the peace of God in the change. Okay, so, um, so let me pray. And if you, if you want to come forward, you're welcome to, and we'll pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you make it, so easy for us because all you want us to do is to come to you come to you 
not necessarily with our list, not necessarily with whinging and complaining, but you want us to come to you because you want us to be with you so that you can be all that you need to be and want to be for us at that time. Thank you that um, we can walk with you and work with you and watch how you do it because you're very personal and our relationship with you is paramount to you as it should be to us. And Father, I want to release people today from any sense of duties to pray, having to pray a certain way, having to pray a certain amount of hours, certain amount, you know, at a certain time, Lord God. Father, I want to release people today, Lord God, from religious works and duties and to release them into your freedom where you lead us and guide us by your spirit into seasons of prayer and times to pray and times to just sit with you. Thank you that we don't have to be anxious for anything. But trusting you, believing you, that you have the best at heart for us, Lord God, will help us finding ourselves in your plans, your purposes each and every day. Lord, help us, each and every one of us, to live lives of prayer. That even the cry of our heart, Lord God, you hear and you answer. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to put our faith in you, Lord God, in all that we do, in Jesus' name. Amen.